don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And we're back with part two of the Betsy Faria case. Let's get it. Um, we'll just do a little bit of a recap of what happened in the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you go listen to it because there are a lot of details in it that I'm not going to go over Okay. because it'll be another hour long, um, but go listen to it to get all the details. So basically what happened was Betsy Faria, um, she was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and it was terminal. Okay. All right. She had signed her beneficiary, her life insurance over to a woman named Pam Hupp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Her friend. Her friend, Pam Hupp. She was the sole beneficiary on her life insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, on December 27th, 2011, Betsy was found stabbed to death in her home. Three days before my 12th. No, my 13th birthday. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Russell Faria, her husband, was mm-hmm. the one who found her. But Pam was the last one to see her alive. Pam had dropped her off at her house that night while Russell was at his friend's house. So um, he called 911 when he found the body. And um, they arrested him and sentenced him to life in prison for right. the murder of his wife. Um, Pam, even though she was the last person to see her alive, she was never considered a suspect. Mm -hmm. Um, she was really good friends with Betsy, last person to see her alive. Didn't even think about it. Um, she actually said that in October before Betsy had died, Mm -hmm. her mom had died. Um, and she said it was from Alzheimer's, but it wasn't actually from Alzheimer's. She had either fallen or been pushed off of her balcony and died and pam was also a beneficiary on her mom's life insurance right so she had that money too so pam is all around a huge suspect for most people Mm -hmm. apparently not detectives though so that's basically where we left off right russ is in prison for the murder of his wife and pam hub is a free woman Yep. So, uh, now we're going to get into um, an appeal. Russ's lawyer, Joel Schwartz, was his name. He was a really good lawyer. Mm -hmm. He really was. He really was. He really, like, vouched for Russ. Mm -hmm. Trying to make it right. For sure. Because he knew Russ didn't do it. Right. So, he filed an appeal in 2015 to go over the case again. Mm -hmm. Um, This time... After they went through all the evidence, all the interviews with Pam, um, they started considering her a suspect. Okay. Because of all her inconsistencies and lies she told, stories she changed, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. Right. So, um, when they went through and was going through all the evidence, Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, this woman may have actually did it. 
So Russ was set free out of jail, nice. out of prison. Thank God. He did spend a couple of years in prison, but after yeah. the appeal was over, um, they found out that he was not guilty. He was never guilty. Good. Which we knew. Yeah. But obviously they didn't. Um, when they were doing the appeal, Schwartz got to present all of the information that he had on Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember from part one, he wasn't allowed to question her or talk about her. Yeah. Practically at all. He wasn't allowed to bring her up at all, right? Right. Uh, because she wasn't a suspect. So, um, when he was reviewing all of the videotapes, mm-hmm. they saw, like, side by side, all of, all of her inconsistencies and all of her lies. Right. And they found it to be really troubling. Obviously. Obviously. Um, so, what they did was, they, the detectives, mm-hmm. came up with an instance and told Pam what they thought had happened that night. Okay. Just completely made it up. This was mm-hmm. not factual. Um, they said they thought she dropped Betsy off. And while she was dropping her off, Russ came home and saw them. And that set him off to murder his wife. Because if you remember from the first part, mm-hmm. Pam had said that Russ had caught... Pam and Betsy hanging out at her house. Hanging out. Hanging out. Yeah, quote, quote, unquote. quote. And he said that if I ever catch you two together, I'll bury you in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So. Evident- evidently? Evi- evidently. Allegedly. Yes. I that, said evidently. Yeah. Same thing. That apparently, according to Pam, that's what yeah. he said. So they're kind of playing off of that. Mm-hmm. And she actually agreed to this. She was like, yeah, that's what happened. Which was not part of her story at all. Not part of any of her stories. So they knew she was lying. Yeah. Um, earlier in the investigation, she mm-hmm. said he wasn't home yet. She right. said, you know, I took Betsy in and laid her on the couch. Well, first it was, I didn't go in at all. Yeah. And then it was, I went to her bedroom and I laid her on the couch. And yeah. then it was, oh, maybe I did see Russ. Mm-hmm. And somebody else, maybe. Yeah. So she was all kinds of changing and the story. the silver Nissan what was it, Ultima Maxima. or Maxima? Yeah. yeah. In the driveway. So, uh, what they were telling her was similar to what, you know, kind of a com- compilation of what she had said before. Yeah. But it was all bogus. I right. Mean, it was just to see they if she They were just testing would... her. Right. And obviously, they knew she was lying. Yeah. So, um, Russ was doing an interview with Dateline NBC, mm-hmm. which... For this part, I listened to a lot of the podcast and got a lot of my information from there. Okay. Because this goes into more of what will be the second murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I got all the information from this episode is from the pod NBC Dateline NBC podcast. Gotcha. Which I will link in the show notes. Okay. Um, so when he was doing his interview with Dateline NBC. Um, Mm -hmm. Joel Schwartz wasn't present. His lawyer wasn't present. Oh, really? I'm a little bit surprised about that. Right. Um, when he was doing the interview, Russ was still in prison Mm -hmm. for the murder of his wife, but Joel was in the process of filing the appeal. So usually when you're doing these kind of interviews and, um, like you're still kind of a suspect, your lawyer needs to be present. That way, you can't say anything that's going to incriminate you more or, yeah. like, go against the appeal. Right. So, 
but he wasn't present. Joel was not there. Well, that, that's crazy. Well, he said it was because that there was nothing that Russ could say that would affect his appeal. Right. Because Russ was telling the truth 100%. Since everything, he was innocent. Right. Everything he has said since the very beginning Nothing's true. going to incriminate him. So. Considering he had the Arby's receipt. And, I mean, all of the stories matched up. This, it just blows my mind. Yeah, same. So, um, but there was nothing he could say to incriminate him. Nothing he could say that would go against the appeal. So, Schwartz wasn't worried about it. So, now we're going to get into... Like I said, the second murder. Mm-hmm. Um, on August 16th, 2016, Pam Hupp made a call to 911. Oh, Lord. Here we go again. And originally, I don't know if I put this in here, but it came in as a Pam Huff. H-U-F-F. Oh, really? Not and Pam Hupp. Right. So, they were um, didn't realize that it was her at first. Okay. So, there were no red flags. Yeah. Um, but she said that a man had broke into her home demanding Russ's money, the life insurance money. She said he yelled at her that he was going to kill her, and then she ran inside and got her gun. Once she saw her bedroom door open, she pointed the gun at the man and emptied it. What the hell? She shot, like, I think six times. I think he was shot, like, twice. His name was Louis Gumpenberger. He I was love that name. Gumpenberger. Gumpenberger. It's different. He was 33 years old, and he lived with his mother, Margaret Birch, in St. Charles, Missouri. In 2005, he was hurt really badly in a drunk car crash mm-hmm. and left him mentally and physically disabled. Um, he, They said he was very soft-spoken. He was kind of childlike, unable to process complex thoughts. He was really hurt in this car crash. Okay. Um, he limped, his left hand was completely useless, Mm -hmm. and the only places he ever went was on short walks in his mother's neighborhood. Okay. Um, he also had two children. Oh, wow. So, after Pam called 911 that day, on August 16th, Mm -hmm. police showed up, realized it was her, and then found Lewis dead, because she shot him. Mm Mm-hmm. He had been shot at least twice. Police found $900 in his pockets that was double, okay. double bagged in plastic baggies, mm-hmm. along with a written note with instructions on what he had to do, like his mission. Who carries $900 in their pocket? I don't know. Especially this man. Yeah. He, I mean, he never went anywhere. So, like, why would he have $900 yeah. in his pocket? Um, the Plus, note, he was unable to process complex thoughts. Right, he didn't know what he was... Why I mean, would he double bag the money? Right. Like, he was very childlike. This is very much Yeah, childlike. also, um, written note with instructions, if he can't have complex thoughts. He, yeah, he probably doesn't even understand what the note says. Probably not. He might be able to read it, he, but he probably doesn't know he what He probably it can't, like, comprehend the note. Not, right. Not in that, in a rude way, but... You know what I mean? Just yeah. like if he can't have complex thoughts, then his brain probably has trouble like processing right. like certain things as he's reading them. Right. So none of it really made sense. Uh, the note says, take Hup back to the house and get rid of her. Make it look like Russ's wife. Make sure the knife is sticking out of the neck. So like exactly what had happened to Betsy. Okay. And like he could do that. Right. Anyways, he mm-hmm. limps. Mm-hmm. He got in a car crash. His left his left hand is completely... He can't even use it. 
Okay. So, very confusing. He was also supposed to take the money mm-hmm. and leave it at a wood pile at the fairy's house. Freya's house, sorry. What? So, well, why would... What? That doesn't make any sense because if he's doing the crime, he should be paid the money, first of all. Not that I agree to that, but... Or not that I think that's well, true either. I think either, the $900 but... in his pockets was supposed to be like an upfront payment and be like, and then maybe after he got the money, he would get a portion of it. You see what I'm saying? Okay, but why would it go back to Russ? It's supposed to make it seem like Russ did it. Russ paid him to go get the money. Oh, You but... see what I'm saying? Cause yeah, Russ, but how Russ did is... he already have the money in his pocket if he didn't even hurt Only Pam some yet? of it. Yeah, but why he was He was supposed it? to get the 100000 I know, but, like, why does he have the $900 in his pocket and he's supposed to leave it back to Russ if that was his payment to kill Pam? No, he's supposed to leave the insurance money that he's supposed to get from oh, Pam sorry. in the okay. wood pile. That's what no, I was confused yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I th- it's supposed to make it look like Russ paid this guy $900. Yes, I get that part. Pam. That's why I was confused. Yes. I was like, why would he leave the money back at Russ's house if Mm-mm. that was his payment? No. Okay. okay, I got you now. Yes. So, like I said, Russ is out of prison at this point. He's mm-hmm. a free man. Mm-hmm. So, detectives go and get Russ and take him to question him. Okay. And asked him about this wood pile. Mm-hmm. And he was confused because he didn't have a wood pile at his house. Yeah. But his dad had a wood pile at his house. Hmm. Uh, it was like some landscaping timbers out in the front yard. Okay. So one of his dad's neighbors went through their security camera and found footage of a GMC Acadia mm-hmm. with like a I Love Dog sticker on the side. Um, that drove by one way and then, like, turned around and drove by really fast the other way. Hmm. Like, they were trying to get out of there. Interesting. And that was, like, the only thing that really stuck out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, police had Russ rewrite this note over and over for, like, hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And then send it off to, a, like, a handwriting specialist to see yeah. if it matched. And obviously, it didn't. Right. So. Because he didn't write it. Right. He did not write the note. Obviously. Um, they also found that Pam had a hundred dollar bill in her pocket Mm -hmm. that had like a same sequence of serial numbers as four of the bills in Lewis's pockets. Nice job, Pam. So they kind of like went together the way that bills are set up. They have it's like if you get like if you get money from the ATM and there's a bunch of brand new twenties that you got from the ATM together, they're gonna be in a sequence. Yeah. So, this was part of that sequence that he had, hmm. which was suspicious. Oh, for sure. Obviously. 100%. Um, something else that was really weird was that there was a piece of carpet that looked like it had been cut out and placed on top of, like, already existing carpet right underneath where Lewis was shot and laying on the floor. So, like, he was laying on this piece of carpet, kind of like a rug. Mm-hmm. you could say but it was like a piece of carpet that had been cut out underneath him and it seemed like it was to protect pam's carpet underneath so it wouldn't get stained she might as well have laid plastic on the floor right like so it just happened to be there just a coincidence oh, okay just a coinky dink sure that he was shot and killed at the same space same place where she had a piece of carpet yeah okay so it wouldn't hurt her floor underneath weird she's a piece of I shit think. Right. It just how did how does he land perfectly on it? 
just well also this guy just seems like the sweetest guy dude it right. makes me mad that people i just want to choke slammer yeah where is she i just want to talk <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get there okay we'll figure out where okay, she's okay, at. okay okay so according to pam when she um called 911 and was telling them what happened mm-hmm. um she was out like doing some thrifting um and then when she came home she saw a silver four-door sedan i don't know what she has what she has against four-door sedans a gmc acadia perhaps um she saw a four-door sedan drop off a man that was supposed to be lewis gumpenberger outside her house mm-hmm. this was like right when she pulled in the driveway so he then rushed up to her car and um had a knife in his hand and was demanding russ's money mm-hmm. while she was still in the car gotcha so she managed to somehow knock the knife out of his hand and run inside okay and then she grabbed her gun, which is a thirty-eight Ruger. Yeah, I know what that is. I think, I don't know. What um, that by is. the way, a GMC Acadia is an SUV, not a sedan. Sorry. Okay. I just wanted to look it up real quick. Okay. But yeah. But the GMC Acadia is important. Okay. Um, so she went inside and grabbed her thirty-eight Ruger and shot him. Okay. Um, that was her story, I guess. I don't understand how she got inside. She must have not told the backstory know. or anything about how she laid out the carpet and made this whole plan, you know? Right. About how she lured him to her bedroom, and as soon as he was on mm-hmm. over the carpet, she said, bow, bow. Bow, bow. Well, Jeez. so at the end of her being questioned, at mm-hmm. the end of her in- interrogation, the detectives asked if um, they could have her phone so they could search it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Here's my cell phone. Stupid decision. Um, so less than 45 minutes before she made that call to 911, Pam's phone pinged in the same neighborhood that Lewis lives in. (gasps) Wow, what a big surprise. Her excuse was that she had stopped at her daughter's house, who lived around two miles from where Lewis lived. No. So, it just happened to be... Nope, I don't believe a single word she said. But she said her daughter wasn't home, so she just left and went home. Sure. Um, but... The specialist went even deeper. The mm-hmm. person that was doing the search um, got a search warrant for Google, like Google Maps, mm-hmm. because her location services has been, had been turned on and all of it saved. So they could go back and see exactly the path her phone took. That's crazy. Okay. I have mine turned off, but that's crazy. Right. Not because I'm doing anything illegal, but... Well, I didn't know it could do that. Yeah. That's crazy. It literally, like, I got an email one day and it's like track your moves for this month or whatever or something like that or this year and i looked at it and i was like i'm turning this off because that's kind of <laughs> creepy so um they went through her location history and mm-hmm. found that she had been driving through low-income neighborhoods for days and even weeks for what just driving through strolling through i mean i'm not cruising. gonna lie i mean me and austin cruise around in the charger but but like this was specifically in like low-income yeah neighborhoods. that's like, weird right um they also found that she had placed a pin you know you can place pin on lewis's apartment complex his apartment complex his specifically okay um so she drove to his apartment complex Mm -hmm. and then drove straight to her back to her house when she made and that's when she made the 911 call wow weird okay i don't know not weird just stupid (laughs) let's see this is why i'm glad they do things like this because then they get caught right 
So when they when they pulled the location and stuff, they can track exactly the path she took to her house. Mm-hmm. So they went along that path to see if there had been any businesses or anything that had security cameras that maybe mm-hmm. they could catch them together in the car. And they did. Surprise, They found surprise. a donut shop that caught them on camera in her car on the way to her house right before she shot him. What's her excuse for that one? Like, literally together in the car. And as, when I was listening to the Dateline podcast, they said it was, like, really kind of eerie because you're basically watching someone, like, their on their moments. way to their death. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. It's sad. Mm-hmm. So, um, when she was interviewed, she said she didn't know anyone named Russ. Are you kidding She me? didn't know what this <laughs> note was about. She doesn't know anybody named Russ. Oh, my God. Russ. She's so dumb. But then after they interviewed her again, she was like, oh, yeah, Russ Faria. Duh. Oh, yeah. Slipped I have, my mind. I have memory problems, remember? Slipped my mind. How oh, do you forget God. when you just went through all, you were best friends with his wife? And she was brutally murdered by right. someone that and you're you supposed just, to evidently hate. He's supposed to have murdered her, your yeah. best friend, and you just forget about him? I wouldn't forget. That's no. fucking bullshit, dude. Crazy. A lie. So didn't make sense just slipped her mind yeah okay so um there was a police report Mm -hmm. that was filed um a couple days before this whole lewis gumpenberger situation Mm -hmm. um it was from a woman named carol alford and she said that she was approached by a woman who claimed she worked for dateline dateline nbc Okay. And needed a soundbite for an episode about 911 calls and offered her $1,000 for her help. Hmm. First of all, if you don't know what soundbites are, they're like um, reenactments of 911 well, calls. Well, yeah, or clips. Right. So, and Dateline doesn't pay anybody to do soundbites. Yeah, no, they you don't would ever just get pay them. anybody. Right. So, um, that was a little confusing. She was a little confused. Mm-hmm. Um, she said she was approached on August 10th um, by this woman in an SUV. Mm-hmm. Originally, she agreed to do the soundbite, but then was a little bit confused and decided to go against it because the woman in the SUV couldn't show her any credit... Creden- sorry. Couldn't show her any credentials. Is this couldn't- SUV a GMC Acadia? We'll get there. <laughs> I we- just keep going back to that. <laughs> I know. So, um... She was confused. The woman couldn't prove that she worked for Dateline. Mm -hmm. So she had her take her home. Yeah. Well, when she had her take her home, she had her pull into the driveway Mm -hmm. because she had security cameras. Oh. So she wanted to catch this woman just in case. Mm -hmm. Well, when she pulled up, the security camera caught that she was driving a SUV. It was a GMC Acadia. I was right. Okay. Okay. Um, And it caught her face and her license plate. Nice job. So, uh, she ran inside, grabbed a knife and her phone, and, like, held it in her sleeve until the woman pulled away. Because mm-hmm. she was kind of freaked out. I would be, too. Um, when police reviewed the videotape, the security cameras, it was Pam Hupp. Surprise, surprise. License plate matched, car matched, face matched. It was 100%. <laughs> face matched. I mean, and <laughs> it was funny. all thanks to Carol's... Carol Alford's security cameras that yeah. she had in place at her home. Right. So, um, obviously, they arrested her. Nice. 
um because it was a about little fishy. fucking time dude so um when she was arrested mm-hmm. this lady's fucking nuts okay um, first of i all. think we know that after all of so, this shit after she was arrested she was freaking out mm-hmm. she ended up stabbing herself in the neck with a pin oh my god okay and in her wrists what she did was she was uh, when she was like being interrogated mm-hmm. there was a pin that was left on the table mm-hmm. so she like took it and slid it up her sleeve and then was like hey can i go to the bathroom went to the bathroom and proceeded to stab herself in the neck and try and like slit her wrists huh doesn't that sound with familiar the pin. right hmm Hmm. interesting right sounds a little bit like what she did to betsy mm-hmm. because i think she did it okay if you look at her mug shots it's i'll put post pictures and stuff on the social medias if you mm-hmm. want to look at them but she's got like bandages all over her neck she Yikes. looks she looks like a freak i mean she looks crazy mm-hmm. um but police believed that this was a sign that she knew she was guilty and she knew that she was being caught right because she's trying to like end it mm-hmm. um she knew that she was done for. This was this yeah. was it. This was right the end of it. So in August 2019, at 60 years old, mm-hmm. Pamela Marie Hump, Hump, Hump. Did I say Hump? <laughs> yeah. Pamela Marie Hump was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Thank you. Finally, for the murder of Louis Gumpenberger. Oh. Okay. Okay. But then finally, mm-hmm. just this past year, mm-hmm. in July of 2021, she was also charged with the first-degree murder of Betsy Faria. Round of applause. Thank about time. Fuck. I mean, come on, lady. If I if I got it to the end of this and she was not charged with her murder, I was going to be so pissed. Yeah, I would have been too. But they knew after everything that happened with Lewis. Mm-hmm. They just knew that she had to have murdered Betsy. Well, yeah, of course. They, like, she was the last one to see her The life. Arby's receipt, bro. It all goes back You're to the so damn Arby's receipt, the Arby's dude. Receipt. So, um, a Dateline cameraman mm-hmm. caught Pam walking out to the car, arm okay. in arm with her husband, like, after she had already had been sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. Um... Her husband was, like, keeping his head down, like, didn't really want to be seen, whatever. But she was, like, smiling at the camera and laughing, like, waving. And she, like, flashed up a peace sign to the camera, like, oh, hey. Oh, God. No, I love what? the peace sign. Why do you have to do this? To I don't know. So, yeah. She is currently serving her life sentence at the... I looked up how to say this, and I totally forget. I think it's Chillicothe. I mean, that sounds right. The Chillicothe Correctional Facility, which is a state prison for women in uh, Livingston County, Missouri. And Russell Faria is free. Thank having God. to live with the murder of his wife. Well, yeah, not at that least part. now he's not being charged for it. And harassed for his wife's murder that he right, didn't do. That he didn't do. So, um, she finally got caught. Thank God. It took another murder, unfortunately. But yeah, but still, she finally. finally. I think if it if it wasn't for that, she would never have been caught. Well, if the police didn't birch, butcher butcher the first investigation with Betsy, we wouldn't have. I mean, that there problem. was so much evidence that went against Pam. They just I don't I don't know. I don't know why they just had they massive so, tunnel vision, dude, so and focused on, on Russell. So stuck on Russ. Yeah. For what? Because he found her. Because he was the husband. 
It's. I mean, in most cases, it, it is the husband. But yeah, but not this one. Not all cases. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't want to say I hope you enjoyed this episode, but at least we got a little bit of closure. Yeah. And she is doing her time. As far as, Good. I mean, she is still alive. Right. In prison. Because this wasn't that long ago. Well, I hope she rots. In prison and in the afterlife. Oh, yeah. No, I hope she continues to rot for eternity. Yeah. She is a horrible, horrible person. But, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and... Go subscribe to our Patreon. It will be linked in the show notes. Yep, that too. Um, all of my sources and stuff will be linked in the show notes. Make sure, if you haven't listened to the first part, go listen to the first part. Yep. Or else this ain't really gonna make sense. Nope. The Arby's receipt ain't gonna make sense. Nope. You ain't gonna get it. (laughs) Nope. Um, by the time you're listening to this, Michelle will have put out her second storytime episode on yep. Wednesday, so make sure you go listen to that as well. And guys, I think we've decided that, um, we're gonna switch every month. So, like, one month, um, I will do true crime, and Michelle will do the yep. storytime, and then the next month it will be the other way around. I think it'll just be, um, more effective for us, and mm-hmm. not only that, like, uh... I want to say, like, more interesting for us. Because if one of us is constantly doing true crime and one of us is constantly doing story time, we're going to get burnt out. So I think it's best if we switch every month so mm-hmm. we have something new to focus on. And I think it'll give a little bit more variety because, like, the stories you find and the stories I find might be different. Yeah, they like, are Like, different a bit. topics, mm-hmm. kind of, and, like, the cases that I do and the yeah. cases that you do. And we might have different ideas different. for story times as well, you know. Right, like, so. But that's all. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks thank for you listening. For listening, and we'll uh, see you next week. Peace. Bye. <laughs>